And welcome to Friday on the Piro Pelka podcast. It's Mike here. You made it. You finally got to the weekend. And if you're listening over the weekend, I hope you're having a good weekend. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to sound upbeat, aren't I? Why not? We have so many difficult things to face. We have so many things to talk about. But there are some good news moments that I have to share with you on this National Guacamole Day. It's also National Play-Doh Day because sometime a bazillion years ago, somebody invented Play-Doh and now it gets its own day. But Play-Doh wasn't originally invented as a toy. It was invented as a wallpaper cleaner. It would lift stains off wallpaper. And some genius said, you know, we can sell these to everybody that's got wallpaper or we can package it as a toy and sell it to everybody that's got kids. And if they have more than one kid, they're going to need more than one of these. So genius capitalism. Give yourself a round of applause, capitalism. And as far as guacamole goes, I will be enjoying some homemade guacamole today. It's a lot more expensive this year, but I will be making some guacamole later today. Uh, other stories that we have to get to, of course, the border, the border, the border. And as uh, Governor DeSantis of Florida has delivered the border to Martha's Vineyard and all of our friends on the left are absolutely freaking out, it's done something kind of amazing. It's brought the uh, discussion of how bad the border situation is to the forefront. When, when we were told by the administration, by the press secretary over and over and over again that there's no problem. Kamala Harris told us that the, the border is, is locked down. It's secure. The, the secretary of Homeland Security said, no, no, there's not a problem. It's secure. We know that's not true. We know that to be completely false, totally bravo Sierra. And there were some uh, magical moments yesterday in the press room before all this blew up, before the media completely overreacted, trying to defend Martha's Vineyard when 50 people showed up. Oh, by the way, I'm old enough to remember in, um, in 2021, way back in 2021, August of 2021, Martha's Vineyard held a birthday party for Barack Hussein Obama. He turned 60. And there were over 200 friends and family that were invited. And there were more than 200 workers that were brought in to help serve drinks and food, etc. And those people had to be brought in from off the island. And many of them had to be there for days and days and days because they had to set up tents and do all the cooking and make sure the bands were ready to go. So Martha's Vineyard had room for all of those people, but they didn't have room for 50 migrants. Doesn't seem to square, does it? No. And that Martha's Vineyard emergency coordinator who made headlines over the last day the lady who stood up in front of the microphone, the spokesperson, and told everybody, uh, well, uh, we don't have room. They're going to have to go. They're going to have to move, she said. They're going to have to move. Wow. 
Where where is she? Here she is. At some point in time, they have to move from here to somewhere else, right? We we cannot. We don't have the services to take care of 50 immigrants, um, and we we certainly don't have housing. We're in a housing crisis as we are on this island, and so we, we don't we can't house everyone here that lives here and works here. We don't have housing for 50 more people. No, you don't have housing for 50 more people. The season is over. The summer season is over. There's plenty of room. And again, it was a year and a couple months ago, Barack Obama celebrated his 60th birthday, 200 plus guests, famous folks, and 200 plus workers who were there. What a load of Bravo Sierra. Complete load of Bravo Sierra. I salute Governor DeSantis. I salute Governor Abbott. Any governor who is sending these migrants who are here illegally, by the way, and proud of it. They're telling everybody how proud of it they are that they got here illegally. The ones who were in front of Kamala Harris's residence telling Fox News, oh, yeah, we came here illegally. Thank you. And for anybody to be upset that 50 migrants were flown to Martha's Vineyard when just about a year ago, I think it was November of last year, Joe Biden sent 72 flights overnight in the dark of night, not telling anybody who was on those planes in the middle of the, uh, the big spike in COVID. Remember we had that spike of the variant? Yeah, we sent those people. We didn't know if they'd been vaccinated or what. And we sent them to places like Florida. They were already being bused to Texas, but now Biden was flying them. 72 flights, but one plane with 50 freaks him out. I hope uh, Governor DeSantis follows up on his threat and sends some of them to Delaware, to Joe's Beach House. Although Joe's Beach House has a wall, taxpayer-funded wall going up around it, half million dollars being spent to put up a wall because we all know walls don't work, right? They are such hypocrites. And yesterday during the press conference, uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre, KGB as we like to call her on this here program, Corinne Jean-Pierre was asked about the border and the hypocrisy, or as we like to call it, hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy and irony smushed together. Corinne Jean-Pierre being asked and her response is stunningly stupid. Does the White House stand by those comments that the border is secure? What we stand by is that we are doing everything that we can uh, to make sure that um, uh, that we follow the process that's been put forth. Wait, just let's let's look at that sentence. What we are doing is making sure we're doing everything that we can to follow the process that's been put forth. Here's the process. Open the border. Step out of the way. How crazy is that? But she goes on to make it even a bigger bureaucratic lie that's why we have uh historic funding uh to do just that so we've got more money which is a typical democrat solution to throw money at something we've got more money it's awful but wait there's even more awful as she continues make sure that um uh you know uh, um Mm -hmm. uh, to make sure that um yeah yeah. To make sure that uh, the folks that we encounter at the border be removed uh, or expelled. They're not being removed. 
They're not being expelled. They're being sent all over the country or they're crushing the local economies in those tiny border towns where I have been. I have been where the vice president and president dared not go because they would have seen the truth. It really is disgusting. And the fact that that people on the left are upset about this is even more disgusting. Hmm. As Joe Biden likes to say, what does it say? What does it say about us? Yeah, thanks, Joe. Think about what you'd think about. Okay, okay, I will. I will. Uh, Joe was busy yesterday attending a uh, conference about hate and um, talking about things that I think are a setup to this administration attempting to censor people like you and me ahead of the midterm elections, attempting to frame us as a problem, people who dare to speak up, people who dare to say, hold on a second here. Yeah, I think Joe is setting up censorship of the media when he talks about this this through line of hatred. And that through line of hate never fully goes away. It only hides. And when given any oxygen, it comes out from under the rocks. In the last few years, it's been given much too much oxygen in our politics, in our media, and on the Internet. So uh, much too much oxygen given to opposing opinions in the media and on the Internet. Next week, pay attention. Next week, I believe, I believe Biden and his cohorts in control of Congress still are going to come for people like us. What did he call us? The Trumpies. These MAGA Republicans in Congress are coming for your Social Security as well. No, no, we're not. We're not. We're just people who believe in the Constitution. Boy, is it crazy. Oh, yesterday, by the way, at this event, this uh, staged event, which is meant to tee up this plan to squelch speech before the midterms, uh, Ana Navarro, someone who claims to be a Republican, she's not. She's on The View every Friday. She's one of the nastiest, angriest people ever. She hated Donald Trump. And she was she was allowed to do an introduction yesterday because they like to say it's bipartisan. Does this sound like someone who's bipartisan? Make America gross again. Ladies, thank you. MAGA. Why white men are highly overrated? Just an old windbag loser mm -hmm. tweeting out whatever, you know, um, stream of consciousness he has. He's like a colicky baby with a persecution <laughs> complex and paranoia. So, yeah, that's the example of bipartisanship. Somebody who calls old, old white men a problem. Very interesting what these guys are talking about. Very, very interesting. It, it is disgusting. The Biden administration and what they're saying about the border is contradicting what's happening at the border. This is from Joe last night. And we have a process in place to manage migrants at the border. We're working to make sure it's safe and orderly and humane. 
So, say Orderly and Humane, we've had a record number of people die at the border, more than 700. I believe more than 100 have drowned trying to cross the Rio Grande. And we still don't know exactly how many people have come in. And to constantly try and blame it on Donald Trump is a gigantic lie. Joe Biden, four years ago, was calling Trump supporters the dregs of society. So this is nothing new for him to call. You, you want proof? Okay, it's from four years ago. There are a small percentage of the American people, virulent people, some of them the dregs of society. So he's been calling names against anyone who opposes him for quite some time. But what I find really interesting about Joe Biden is that when he was a senator, before he got the um, hair plugs, when he had the comb over, uh, Joe Biden was talking about protecting our border. He was in the Senate talking about the need for a secure border, about using the military to protect our border. Seriously, this was Senator Joe Biden. We must stem the flow of drugs into our border and across our borders. This bill increases by one-third the current level of funding for interdiction at the border. So he was all for stopping drugs at the border, right? Not so much anymore. 300 young people in this country die a day from fentanyl, which is pouring across the border. The equivalent of a a small plane, not small, a, a commercial airliner crashing and killing everybody aboard. Years ago, though, Joe was against letting all that happen, and he was all for putting the military, as I said, on the border. Including increased funding for Coast Guard and Customs Service personnel, which I might add, over the last six years have been cut. We've talked about a war on drugs, and we have cut, not increased, cut, the number of people we, in fact, say are supposed to be the ones at the bridge, blocking the enemy from crossing the river into our territory. Back then, Senator Biden wanted the military, the Coast Guard, to protect us, to stop the, as he said, enemy from crossing the river into our territory. Not a joke, his words. Right, Joey? This bill assists Coast Guard law enforcement teams to Navy ships, to bring the Department of Defense more actively in, assigns, I should say, Coast Guard law enforcement teams to Navy ships to bring the Department of Defense more actively into the fight against drug trafficking. And while we're at it, why not human trafficking, Joe? Why not? Just amazing. Amazing to me. This administration is totally clueless. And they really don't want a secure border. They really don't. Do you, KGB? So, again, it is a broke, a, a broken system, the immigration system. And it was, um, it was decimated by the last administration. No, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Over 2 million people crossing into the border this year, over 1 million last year. This administration was handed a secure border situation was handed a situation where the cartels weren't this brazen, weren't pouring fentanyl, deadly fentanyl across our borders. They weren't sex trafficking young women, 
with rape trees in Mexico as they were trading vicious sex attacks for what they called freedom into America. No, that didn't happen under Donald Trump. It's happened under you people. And you don't want a secure border. It's obvious. You think, you think those Hispanics who are coming in, it's mostly Hispanics. They're people from the Middle East. They're people from hundreds of countries coming in. You think that they're going to vote for you automatically. Well, first of all, they don't have the vote yet, unless, you know, you're in New York where they're trying to give people here illegally without citizenship the right to vote, and thank God they don't. But the, the latest polling is showing the Hispanic voters are still walking away from Joe Biden. In fact, in some cases, running away from Joe Biden and the Democrats, and that has to concern them. That's why there's an all-out push right now from the Democrats to try and bring women back into this. They think, based on the, um, the Roe versus Wade being overturned, we shall see. I think the economy is going to be more important. I think the fact that you, you can't really afford your groceries this year compared to last year. This morning, I got up early and had to run to the grocery store and get a, a loaf of bread and some English muffins. One loaf of bread, one package of English muffins was $9.49. And thank God there's no sales tax because we don't have that here in Delaware. 10 bucks for a loaf of bread and a package of English muffins at a supermarket, not at a convenience store. It is insane what's happening. And yet, this administration, this press secretary representing the president refers to this as welcome news. But the question that the president was asked about the day before yesterday, uh, uh, which shows more progress, that data, the CPI data, which is what he was uh, he was speaking to, shows more progress in bringing global inflation down in the U.S. economy. Overall, uh, prices have been essentially flat in our country these last two months. That is welcome news for American families. No, no, they're not flat. They're still up over 8% year over year. And if you... If you just look at food, if you look at the price of food, it's staggering. And we're not done with the price of gasoline. Just know that that will fluctuate. That will fluctuate considerably. Just imagine. Imagine. There are people now, there are reports out there, if you follow all over social media, that there are people selling their cars and relying now on public transportation in order to pay for food and energy for their families. And if people don't understand that in the midterm elections, I don't know what we can do to educate them. I really don't. It is the economy, stupid. It's absolutely the economy. But Joe Biden's going to try and divide us more. He's going to try and say oh, there's a bunch of radical racists out there. He's going to talk about how scary they are, just like he's been doing over and over again throughout his career. Their veins bulging. The veins bulging on their as they were screaming. Their veins bulging, literally coming out of the fields carrying torches with swastikas. Those folks coming out of that field down in Virginia carrying swastikas and torches. Coming out of the fields with torches lighted. 
The veins bulging, by the way. If you watch Joe Biden when he gets all yelly and shouty and stuff like that, watch the veins bulge in his head. It's uh, it's quite something else. I don't mind being a Trumpy, though. He keeps calling us the Trumpies. Let's try and lighten it up a little bit with the song that we created for Joey. But here's the point. The biggest contrast from what MAGA Republicans, the extreme right, the, 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 the Trumpies. Hey, hey, we're the Trumpies. And Biden says we riot around. But we're too busy working to burn any cities down. We're just trying to be Americans. Yeah. We care about the country today. Cause we're the Trump generation. And we've got something to say. The Trumpies. Think about what you'd think about. Yeah, I see the veins popping up right there. All right, before we get out of here, it's Friday. We need a little inspiration. And inspiration means Jim Stovall with some winner's wisdom. Our buddy Jim Stovall next on the Puro Pelka podcast. Our friend Jim Stovall is back with us. If you're not familiar with Jim, you need to do a quick search on Jim and just look at all the books he's written more than 50 books he also has produced movies he is the man behind the narrative television network which helps people who cannot see appreciate movies and television and Jim is one of those people who has uh, invented this to basically help himself and millions of others which is a great thing every week Jim and I talk about his winner's wisdom column which is in hundreds of newspapers but you can get it in your own email by going to jimstovall.com, signing up. It shows up every week. It's free. And this week's column, Jim, I have to tell you, every week you put a title up on top of the column, and it's got um, basically an outline of the message. This week's column has like five messages in it. I know it's called Deferring Deliberation, but this one is just rich, target rich with great advice. Welcome, sir. Well, thank you. It's great to be with you, as always. And, uh, you know, this week we're talking about uh, the fact that success comes to us from making good decisions. And failure comes to us when we make bad decisions. And uh, all that it takes to make a good decision, or the best decision available to us, is to get as much information as we can. And often, making a good decision is not so much a matter of what to do, but it's when to decide. And that's the important thing, the sweet spot on when do we decide. Mm. And in, in my various businesses, there are uh, decisions that come up all the time. And my people know the first thing I always ask is, when do we need to make this decision? And I'm a big believer, don't make any decisions until you're forced to. But on the other hand, don't wait so long that some of your options start melting away. You need to make a decision right there in the sweet spot. Because, I, you know, I believe a sixth grader can make the right decision on most things if you give them enough information. Uh, decisions almost make themselves. Uh, on the other hand, if you wait so long and the, the, the doors start closing, uh, you know, if you wait till the end, uh, uh, the, the smorgasbord is, is over and you get the leftovers, or in some cases you get nothing if you don't decide. So the important thing we've got to look at is when do we make this decision. And a lot of people, they just want to be knee-jerk and get it over with and just pick something. 
and then other people want to just delay forever and ever and ever. So, you know, it comes down to you got to be ready to pull the, the, the trigger when it's time, and you got to be ready to pull the plug when it's not time. I love that. The, the difference between pulling the trigger and pulling the plug, uh, it's just a, a great way to think about it. There are so many things involved in decision-making, and I love it that your brain defaults to, well, when do we have to make the decision by? Because if you know the last possible moment, uh, you also understand whether or not there's a sense of urgency, and urgency can sometimes make bad decisions happen if you don't have all the facts, as you talked about earlier. I worked for a guy who I used to describe his decision-making process as ready, aim, 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 aim till somebody in the room screamed, fire, for God's sakes, fire. And and it was very, very difficult. And he was a defensive decision maker. He would wait until the decision was foisted upon him. Not exactly what I would consider the best for being opportunistic. But then again, he's had a long and healthy career. He never really fell completely down. So it it. Depends on the situation, I guess, in every one of these uh, choices we have to make and how damaging it could be to delay. And as you started out yeah. saying, it's it's information really at the top that has to be gathered. Yeah, I mean, it can be in your, your former colleague there. If he had informed everybody on the team, hey, we've got this, and uh, it looks to me like uh, the 15th of next month is probably the right time to make a decision on this. And at least everybody knows, you know, it's it's not we're just putting it off indefinitely. We've got a plan. And a lot of times frustration is avoided by doing that. And then, you know, you don't want to rush in, I, I vote uh, absentee. Uh, because as a blind person, it's so much more convenient for me. And I contrast that with the direct mail-out ballots. This is my ballot comes to me, you know, with a code on it and everything else. And uh, it's safe and secure. But I get it about sometimes seven or eight weeks before the election. Hmm. Well, I know who I'm going to vote for, I think. But uh, I set it there on the corner of my desk and I wait. And there have been multiple times when, wow, I'm glad I didn't vote for this guy early because uh, he kind of fumbled on the goal line here in this campaign, and I'm going the other direction. And so uh, waiting is, you know, it's like in the stock market. I mean, options who are traded every day, they have a price, they have a value. It's nothing more than the right to make a decision later. I want to buy this stock next spring at this price. And uh, you have to pay for that privilege. Well, we all have that privilege in our decisions, but if you decide too quickly, you give up that privilege. Jim Stovall is our guest. As he is every week, we discuss Jim's Winner's Wisdom column. This week's column that we're talking about is called Deferring Deliberation. And Jim, uh, before we get out of here, there's a couple of points. When you talk about pulling the plug, and you know, a lot of people look at pulling the plug as failure, as giving up. And uh, sometimes it's, it's about survival to get out of something and pull the plug. And it's not a failure. And in fact, it's a change of direction. And I love the fact that you say in your column, pulling the plug does not mean we have failed. It means we're going to begin seeking a new way to succeed. I wish everybody would look at failure that way. Yeah, we are still married to our mission. 
We are just looking for another method. We are looking for another way to get there. I mean, if the road's closed, I'm not going to sit here all day. It's time <laughs> to, uh, okay, get out the old detour and see how we get from here to there. So it's not that you're not committed or you're, you're giving up. It's quite the contrary. It's, uh, hey, let's accelerate our point of failure. If we're not going to make it here, let's go find somewhere we are. It's great stuff, and it's great information available to each and every one of us every week, courtesy of Jim Stovall. Go to jimstovall.com, and you can get it in your mailbox, and it's free, and it's fabulous. Thank you, my friend. You're the best. 